Cool. Are we at twenty eight forty two right now? Uh basically we're at twenty eight forty five. You gotta go forty two, man, that's what we told the people. <laughs> Alright, well that's basically it. There we go. Just play it and pause it at forty two. So you got ten seconds. Okay, that's pretty close. It's twenty eight forty. Just wait two more seconds and pause it, you dick. Alright, no pause there you okay. go. Alright. Alright. Alright, here we go. Three, two, are we recording? Yeah. One. Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the flagship show, Grapple Talk. <laughs> yeah, Nick, uh, This is the, the flagship actually is now the... Uh, the rarest of all the podcasts with all the podcasts that happen now in the grapple. Is it really? Like, yeah, I think no, we only not. drop a new episode every two weeks. Is it really two weeks? It's that often? Yeah, it's that often now. No, that's pretty often. And to we're me. supposed to be the topical show. We're supposed to be the topical show. <laughs> yeah, so how are we supposed to be topical when we drop a new episode every two weeks? I think it's partially because I think we're also the least popular show on the network. So <laughs> how did that work out? <laughs> I don't like, know. like seriously, at one point we, we are named after the network. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like everything else just kind of took off. Yeah, and for some reason people just don't like listening to us bitch about things. I guess uh, I don't know. God. So so AC Riley. Riley Factor is more popular. Than Actually, us. you know what? He might be the least popular. <laughs> well, at least we got I'm just that, kidding. Right? I'm just joking. He always has great guests, but there's a lot of great shows on the Grapple Talk Network. By the way, Nick Ragnar, Jesse Von Raspberry over here. First time we've been actually in studio together doing this probably in like a couple of months, I'd have to say. Yeah, it's, it's been, been, been a long time. It's, it's been probably, a long time. Last time we probably did a show in the studio, I would not doubt we were drafting our fantasy football teams. Yeah, I think it was probably actually around that time, so it's been a long time, but now we're here. We're ready to do some Grapple Talkies, and uh, if you haven't yet, yeah, check out the Grapple Talk Network. We've had quite a few new shows, new in, in uh, additions over the past couple of weeks, including the Ross Family Matters podcast. Um, basically, Jiggy Jack Spade went under the knife. He's hurt. He's uh, he's sad. So to make up for that uh, hole in his heart that is professional wrestling, he is now doing a wrestling podcast with some of his buddies, Vic Ross, uh, Scott Hotshot Scott Williams, and uh, Prodigy. So yeah. the, that's all their gimmick names. You can check out the the episode if you want their uh, their shoot names. Stuff. I don't know. It's great stuff. They do. They have basically they just sit around a table, uh, pick topics out of a fedora. I believe is the actual not a hat, a fedora. Yep. And uh, they just talk about things. And it's I've listened to it. It's it's fantastic. It's really good content. It's Especially for like wrestling road trips, just kind of like, you know, they just they just talk and talk, and it's very interesting things that they talk about and pretty funny things. Um, so I definitely say to hit them up, and of course also there's the uh, regular guy gaming podcast, there's Riley's podcast, and there's also um, the podcast De- Deach, uh, and Dash. Deach and Dash. So lots of great things happening on the Grapple Talk Network, Jesse. Yeah, apparently uh, a lot of good things happening in wrestling too. I mean, have you been trying to keep up on this, Nick? Good things, I guess. Like what? I we got AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. Oh, yeah. Well, that was kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. TLC. That was all right. We can talk about TLC a little bit. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago. Or was it this last week? It was this past Sunday. It was this past Sunday. Yeah. Well, what the shit, man? Yeah. Well, fuck, man. That main event was ass. God, it was a train wreck. Wasn't it awful? It was a train wreck. Okay, so what we did get, though, was Kurt Angle. That was pretty cool to see him back in the ring, right? No. No? No. No? What the, it, we saw Kurt Angle with freaking with, with chess piece. Like, what the hell is that shit? Uh, how, how, literally, okay. literally, right, Jesse. Right, they right. started playing the Shields music, and I was like, I was like, 
I swear to fucking God, if Kurt Angle comes out with the shield, I was like, you got to hear the bump, bum 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 And he did, he did it. Well, he did it later. Wow. But not as good. Here's the missed opportunities were missed, right? So they did that, and it was like, well, that kind of sucked. Yeah. Oh, well, though, he, you know, he's part of the shield, whatever. Kind of stupid, though. And then he gets hurt, and you can see, you know, we saw our boys, TW3 and uh, Darren Corbin, helping him up. So I was like, okay, well, this is obviously a work. Well, At first, yeah, I actually thought he was hurt. Because they're not real doctors. At first, I thought yeah. he was actually hurt. But then I saw TW3 and Darren Corbin, and I was like, okay, this is a work. These guys aren't real doctors. These guys aren't real doctors. Yeah. So then he gets helped to the back, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, he's going he's gonna to come back out eventually, right? Oh, yeah. Then his music hits, and I go... Oh my gosh! They're gonna make up for it. He's gonna return with his singlet and the gold medals on. He's gonna be ang- he's gonna be Kurt freaking Angle, and he's still nope nope n- nope. It's like he forgot his gear. Yeah, I know. It's like yeah. the dude not. I mean, he a couple of days ago was advertising WWE.com. I'd hope they'd asked him beforehand because, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I felt in, I felt weird about it seeing Kurt Angle like dressed like the Big Boss Man. It just wasn't really my <laughs> cup of tea. No, now if he was really the Big Boss Man, uh, we would have saw someone. <laughs> get fed a uh, chihuahua at some point in time in that oh matchup. Now, another weird WrestleCraft thing we had was everyone going up in arms about Braun Strowman getting killed in that trash compactor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That it's just it was just so cuz you can tell that WWE did their best to try to like switch things on a, you know, cuz I think Roman Reigns might have had a storyline here with Kane. I think that might have been the plan because yep. obviously Kane because we're still like, what the hell did Kane come back for? He just came back to for no reason? Well, I think the reason was probably going to be... Undertaker. You retired my brother. I'm here now for revenge. Yeah, but that, now it's just like, nope, that's out the window. Roman Reigns is gone, so let's just do something else yeah. random. You know, and it's just like, okay, I get it. But but here's the thing. I was talking to AC Riley about this. Maybe it was you. I can't remember, but it was like... Yeah, it was you. I was like, who the fuck booked a three-on-five TLC match in the first place? Like, how dumb is that? That is so stupid. Obviously, the writers were there like, well, uh, I don't know. what We got these guys that need to wrestle. What do we do? Oh, let's put them in the, fucking put them in the match. Let's put them in the match together. Yeah. It's, it's like you're playing WWE 2K18. Yeah, and you're just yeah. like, fuck it. I don't yeah. – uh, let's let the computer book our matches because that makes perfect sense, and it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, and it – it really, it really bothered me just how cluster fucky that match was. It was again a perfect example where it was like forty minutes long, and you're like halfway through, and you're like, "Geez, when is this match gonna end?" It like, never when ended. Are they, when are they gonna? It, it still feels like this match is going on. I know, like it's yeah. still happening right now. It's like, oh my gosh! And there was like they tried doing like eighteen different storylines in the match, and then doing these different angles in the match. And you know, as a guy that really likes watching wrestling for the story element of matches, I just felt so discombobulated. I was like, "There's so much going on. Like I can't even comprehend." what's happening in this match. And I saw the people go, oh, there's sports entertainment. There are a lot of big spots and stuff. And even the big spots, I was like, oh, those okay. are kind of ass. And, and there were some really cool, decent big spots. Okay, one which my one? Fa- one of my favorite big the spots. The chair one? The chair. The pull that down on the cool chair one. thing. I really like that, that because was nice. it was like one of the first times you actually got to see the set do what it's supposed to be doing. And plus the angle was really fucking kind of cool. That was a cool, cool angle, yeah. That was a really cool angle. And you're like, I didn't never even hit him. But it looked like it hit him. And then he, started, the and then he started moving. Yeah. And then Michael Cole's like, my God, he's still moving. He's mo- how is he moving? And then two minutes later, they went back to him and he was unconscious under the uh, chairs. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, that wasn't planned. Yeah. <laughs> um, the initial pop that the Shield got for coming out to their music is pretty big, and it actually shows you just how relevant that group is, which is kind of weird because like we've been heeing and hawing on this podcast for probably years ever since they actually broke up the Shield. That maybe a part of the reason why Roman Reigns does not get over as a singles guy is because. Everyone wants the shield when they hear that music. It's the same fucking music, right? Right. And now you got the shield back out there, and people are cheering the shit out of them. Right. 
and no Roman Reigns. They've cheered the shit out of him <laughs> even more. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how everything kind of works out with the Raw brand once this meningitis thing actually passes. I mean, thank God we didn't get Sister Abigail, number one. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, What the fuck are they doing with Asuka? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. If you want to actually listen to a really good podcast where they bitch about what they're doing with Asuka, listen to this week's Voices of Wrestling. It's it's fucking amazing. It's a literally 40 minutes of, what the fuck are you doing? This should w- be a slam dunk. It's WWE insane. has proved time and time again that that gimmicks and, and workers that we thought were untouchable can definitely be made into shit by bad booking. They've done yes. that with like I we could come up with a, a, amount any amount of examples you can talk Bailey, um you know I think what this latest Finn Balor run when he was the hottest guy coming out of NXT and now he's been total ass I mean you can go back and look at like the Ascension like yeah. what happened with them American Alpha was supposed to come in and be like the next big tag team and they went nowhere so there's a lot of different examples that you can look at so I don't think that I mean Nakamura. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different examples that you can bring up, and I don't think – I mean, Asuka's a great competitor, no doubt, but there's definitely has to be some concern in wrestling fans' minds that are behind Asuka during her NXT run that that's not maybe the same thing we're going to see here in her WWE run because that was obviously shown at TLC against Emma on Sunday. Which almost begins to wonder if the point of NXT is to get people ready for the main roster, to create stars, right? Right. So when you do get them to the main roster – it should be over like a million bucks. Right. You would hope. Yep. Now, it's all about presentation when you bring them up to the main roster. Right. It's like to create a star, you got to get that ball rolling. Right. Put them out there. Put them out there. Let them get themselves over. And then you can actually come around and maybe do a few things that you really need to do. But going out there and doing 50-50 booking with someone new you just brought in is not going to create a fucking star. Right. Do you do you think partially? And now I know we have another. We have an agenda. We have a yeah. we have an itinerary that we're going to do this episode. We have a lot of exciting things coming up. We kind of just dived right into this discussion. Mm-hmm. But do you think that like because obviously when they used to have OBW and FCW, they had these guys like your Tyler Blacks and stuff like that, obviously performing continuously as if they were on NXT, but it wasn't on such a national, international basis. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because NXT is filmed and it's so widely seen by wrestling fans that it kind of hurts these guys coming in more than creates them as stars because we have these predisposed ideas of how they should be when they come up to Raw and SmackDown? Like, we've seen Asuka for a number of months now, and now we have an idea of what she's supposed to be, and when she isn't necessarily that on Raw or SmackDown, it kind of turns her us off from her character. Do you think... Just the over-televisation of NXT hurts them more than makes them as stars? You know, that could be a solid point right there, but you almost got to go back to even, like, the Monday Night Wars when they would bring over guys from, like, WCW or WWE. WCW was always very good. If a guy made a name in WWE, they brought him over as the biggest fucking shit. Well, WWE, if they got a guy from WCW, initially, 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 they would actually... Yeah. And then they bring him back down to earth. Look at, like, guys like Paul White, you know, like the yep. big show. When they brought him in, he had a huge fucking splash. And then all of a sudden, he started working his way back down the card. Chris Jericho's another guy like exactly. that. Exactly. Huge splash. Worked him way The Radicals, down. when they first came the in, radicals, they were. big splash. splash. Worked him back yep. down the card. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, WWE does have a track record. Unless they really want to get behind a guy, you can go back to, like, Hogan who was a big deal in the AWA, was probably on the verge of being, like, the biggest superstar there before he jumped ship to the WWF. And then once Hogan got there, they were like, okay, rocket strap, here you go. But if Hogan would have came in today, would he have been subjected to 50-50 fucking booking? 
No, but would uh, Hogan be losing to Dolph fucking Ziggler on a SmackDown? Here's the thing that I don't like about one what NXT is doing. Mm-hmm. NXT, basically, I feel like WWE writers, WWE management, they look at NXT and they go, "Well, you should already know these guys because they're from NXT. They they've been highlighted on NXT. Let's go back to guys like a Kurt Angle or like a Rock or an Austin. I mean, these dudes they didn't have weekly televised uh, developmental appearances, you know, during during their time before making it to Raw or to, well, to make yes it back down. No. Yes and no. Okay, so WWE. Around that time, they still had their syndicated shows. So if they had guys that were bringing it up, they would bring it up through that. So like a guy like Rocky Maivia, who actually made his debut at Survivor Series, which we can talk about and ad nauseum at some point in time because it's a really good subject. They bring him in, but they still highlight him on like the syndicated shows. So like superstars, stuff like that. He's on TV every week. They're building him up. Um, Austin was like that too when they brought him in as a ringmaster. They would build him up every week. Right. Kurt Angle, they were building up every week. You know, they were very good. At one point in time, the WWE was very good about their star-making system where they could actually make a guy with their vignettes, pushing them out there. So when they actually did debut, they would actually get a reaction from people. And they would highlight them on TV. They wouldn't have them go out there and lose right away. They'd build them up with wins, 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 and get them to the point where when they do lose, it actually fucking matters. Here's the thing that I'm, I'm trying to say, and, and yeah, they built these guys up, but when it comes to NXT, it's only available and seen by a select audience that has the WWE Network. Which I, think what yeah. we, I think what we notice in watching Raw and SmackDown, like 80% of the people that go to those shows don't have the network. I mean, or watch the NXT at least, well, right? I, because I, how many NXT stars have we seen that have come up that nobody fucking knows or understands their character? And I think WWE is relying a little too much on NXT for these these new stars like an Asuka coming into Raw because, yeah, we saw a couple of vignettes. I mean, I caught Raw a couple of times, and, yeah, yeah. I saw, like, one Asuka vignette through the entire three hours of every Monday Night Raw that I watched. I just personally – I just, I just feel like – I feel like they're they're like they're like here's Nakamura, he's a star, so just treat him like one instead of trying to build him up into being a star on SmackDown. They just introduce him. Yep, he's 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 cream of the crop. That's how he is. He he was on NXT. Remember NXT? He was the NXT champ. Yeah, woo! It's 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 fucking Nakamura. Let's put him against Dolph Ziggler for fucking forty minutes and then have them go back and forth for Yo, some odd don't reason. Don't remind me about that. I'm just, and that's how I feel though yeah. about it, right? So that I feel like they they bring in Oscar. They bring in you know Bobby Roode is a kind of a different story, but they bring in some of these guys like American Alpha from NXT, and they go, well, they were successful on NXT, so let's just. Assume they'll be successful on SmackDown. Okay, so they don't build up these stars anymore. They assume that just because whatever they do in NXT is good, that all of a sudden everybody's going to love them and they're going to get over on SmackDown or Raw, which just simply isn't the case. They have to work on building these people up on those weekly programs. Okay, so I understand where you're coming from there, Nick. I really do. So if like your network subscription numbers right now is floating just north of 1.5 million. Yeah. What's the average raw viewership like Nielsen rating wise? Isn't it like 3 million, 4 million? So about half that audience who watches raw watches the WWE network or has the fucking sure. WWE network. Right. So you got to think about that one there. So you're not really like alienating your audience. Yeah. What you might be doing though is maybe Maybe this is what you really need to do is bring some of these NXT guys on the road doing the house shows instead of working the house show loop with fucking Largo, Florida for some (laughs) apparent fucking reason. Instead of working in front of like 20 fucking people down in Florida, maybe put them on the house show circuit for a little bit before you get them antiquated to that brand. Because like if you can catch an NXT guy on a house show, like a random random show here in Lacrosse, you're like, holy holy crap, there's Bobby Roode. That's great. You know, like maybe that's a way you can get them out there and get them 
antiquated with that audience that's going to watch it because, like, the house show market, the people who actually watch SmackDown or watch Raw, when they get an opportunity to go see that show, yeah, they go see the show, but, I mean, they're not selling fucking a million tickets to house shows anymore. That's just the way it goes. They're not even selling a million tickets to fucking live events anymore. Yep. That's just the way it goes. But getting those fans and those wrestlers connected maybe on those brands, on those off shows, like those house shows, I mean, that's a better way of doing it. Yeah, I just think personally they just need to – I mean, and this has been a problem with WWE even dating back to before NXT, but they have to find a way to better build some of these guys, these characters that are coming from NXT. Because, you know, you can do whatever you want with Asuka. You can do whatever you want with Nakamura. There's obviously that language barrier. It's tough. But you look at guys like Enzo Amore. I mean, for the longest time he felt like just some sort of a random act, and all of a sudden they started giving him something, right? They mm-hmm. gave him this cruiserweight thing, and he's finally become relevant and is showing us why he should be on the main roster and why he's so polarizing, and it's fun to – see him get his ass whooped it is and, and and they i just think they've done a bad job at doing that and like i said they rely a little bit too much on their nxt acts to carry over to the smackdown and raw audiences which i don't think carry over as much and we've seen that with a number of different competitors and uh you know i think that's uh i don't even know how we got on that topic i don't even know what happened there I, i'm not really too sure either i think it all here's what i say about yes. oscar right you know what i think should have happened what's that schoolboy roll up right away you want to know why? Okay. So, I'm, so so si- I'm so sick of undefeated streaks, dude. I'm so sick of How can you have an undefeated streak on the main roster if you lose right away? I'm sick of them. So, yeah, end it there and then have Asuka and Alexa or whoever, Asuka and Emma wrestle on Raw the next night and have Asuka just whoop her ass for 10 minutes. There you go. Boom. Done. You can't. It- I'm just sick of it, dude. Like, when is she going to lose? She's going to lose at some point. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just don't. I they they do. It's like it's like once every one. There's always one superstar every year that goes on these undefeated streaks. It's like it's the most overtold story in fucking pro wrestling. Dude, it's the most overtold story in fucking pro sports. No, it's not. Yeah, that it is. is. Yeah, yeah, that it is. is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so that's why it works. I don't think so. It totally works. I Remember when the Chiefs were gonna be world beaters? Who? The Chiefs. Who's that? Kansas City Chiefs. Nope. Pro football? You talk Chiefs? Yeah, the Chiefs. Like 1770? No. The Chiefs versus the, the, the British? From, the ones from the Kansas City. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. yeah. Football. They were undefeated. Everyone's like, oh, these guys are going to they're gonna run the table. Are you talking about like two weeks ago? And then they lost two games in a row. And everyone's like, they were like, oh, they're fucking done now. <laughs> it's like New England in the beginning of the season. Everyone's like, they're going to run the table. Nobody said that. I'm a oh, Patriots fan. Dude, Nobody said everyone that. said that. Nobody said that. No, they totally said that. No, they did Dude, do you listen to ESPN radio? That's all No, I don't because it's, it's sports garbage talk. That's what oh, that it's is. it's not sports it's garbage like, talk. It's like grapple talk. We just talk shit. We are the pro wrestling garbage talk. You know, what, you know, you know what has been great in wrestling? What's that? Really quick before we get to what we're doing in a little bit. I honestly love the Sami Zayn heel turn. I love it. It it's is good great stuff. stuff. It's good stuff. Um, it's it, very unexpected. You don't expect a guy like Zayn who you're like, wow, this guy could be like, you know, like a Ricky Steamboat type of baby face for his whole career. Yeah. And now he's just the annoying sky dancing son of a bitch. You know that he's going to do the festival friendship to Kevin Owens, right? That's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to cost Kevin Owens a championship opportunity in a couple of months, and then we're going to get a WrestleMania match between those two. With those, uh, with them switched. Zayn's going to be a face. It's very similar to the – it's going to be similar to the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton angle where it's like Zayn basically – Oh, so they're going to wrestle on a bag of maggots? They're going to wrestle – yeah, they're yeah. going to wrestle on a bag of maggots. Yeah, yeah that's, ba- that's exactly what's going to happen. It just makes more – okay, listen, listen. If you're going to – why waste a heel turn on that guy if you're not going to get enough mileage out of it when you have a potential babyface run there for Kevin Owens? I don't know. Why? I mean, Kevin Owens has been a heel for whatever four years now. I just I don't know when they're gonna do it, dude. 
why not? Why not? If you're going to do it, have it be Zane who fucking twists the dagger in. And he's the heel. Yeah. I kind of always thought that, you know, Sami Zayn was so likable that he was going to be the guy that turned his back and then eventually turned on Owens, but in, like, a good way where it's, like, together. Because together they're, like, pompous assholes, right? And then all of a sudden he's like, you got it, pal. You can, you know, and then maybe when, like, Kevin Owens is going to cheat to win or something, Zayn's like, fuck off, dude. Fucking you know, kicks him in the face or whatever, and then it's like, ah, we're all, I just screwed him over. He screwed, because Kevin, why play the long game then when he could have got murdered? Because Kevin Owens has, I don't know, has he ever gotten his comeuppance? I mean, yeah, he's, he's totally. always been a dick. Against Goldberg, maybe? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. But then he turned on Jericho, he's just always been a dick. Somebody needs to turn this, I don't know, Austin dude. was always a dick. God, he was a dick, wasn't he? Yeah, he and was. he looked like one. Yeah, he well, guess what? Like he a was dick. the most over baby face they ever had. I know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Now we're just talking in circles. Yeah, probably. Hey, we got a great episode ahead. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. We, we're going to do something interesting. Um, This morning I logged on the old Facebookers, right, and I saw Kid Riot. So I like, oh, man, 20 years ago today, one of the greatest professional wrestling matches of all time happened. Yes. We're talking yeah. 1997. We're talking Halloween Havoc of that year, and we're talking the Rey Mysterio taking on Eddie Guerrero for the Cruiserweight Championship in WCW. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Jesse. Honestly, I hate to be a fanboy, but this is probably my top ten matches for sure to watch. Man, I remember watching this match live on the pay-per-view and being blown away. That's really cool. You yeah. remember that moment? I do. Wow. Yeah. That is a, crazy to think about. It's really kind of nuts, man. To go I like, cannot believe that that happened 20 years ago. Yeah, it's going to blow man. your mind a little bit? A little bit, yeah. Crap. Yeah. Makes you feel old. So what we're going to do is we're going to play the match. Can we take a break first? Yes, we probably should. But what are we gonna what are we gonna do? What are we gonna okay, so this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, we are gonna watch the match. So okay. if you want to join us watching the matchup, it's on the WWE Network. You can fire it up. We're at the uh, twenty-eight forty-two minute mark, and the WWE Network is actually really kind of cool because they actually set up chapters along the timeline, so you can skip ahead. Right. So if you're not too sure where it's at, that's great. If you don't have the WWE Network, um, number one, I'd say you're an idiot for not spending the nine ninety nine. It yep. is to actually have the network, um, yep. but you can find it more than likely on Daily Motion. You can find it on the YouTubers. If you have a DVD copy, you can do that. If you have a VHS copy, oh my gosh, you can do that as well. Yeah. Um, Laserdisc, they didn't make a Laserdisc. They didn't, this. really. But no, this is something that you know if. If you enjoy wrestling, this is a really fun match to enjoy. Yeah, so we're going to sit here. We're just going to watch this, and I think we're just going to talk about it. So, again, if you're want to, if you just sitting at home don't have anything better to do, you know, you want to kind of join us for the conversation, feel free to tune into it. And, uh, again, the 2842 mark is where we are paused right now. We'll come back, and we'll tell you when to press play right after this, right here on the flagship edition of Grapple Talk. Hey, everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling you also like games so join me and my co-host ragbag as we talk about old games new games games we love games we hate special guest interviews and of course ragbag's love for luigi mansion that is all on regular guy gaming check us out Hello, wrestling fans. Cole Cabana coming to you live from the One Hour Tease Arena in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. The pro wrestling action has been great so far. As you can see, Joey really dominating the ring so far. There's a beautiful belly-to-back suplex. Uh-oh. 
like Joey's shirt has been ripped. What's up with that? You ripped my shirt. Let's go check an instant replay, see exactly what happened there. You can see Joey's shirt ripped from the collar, and that's not good when you're trying to wear your pro wrestling t-shirt. Man, you ripped my shirt. It's my only shirt. Joey. Hey, it looks like Ryan from One Hour Tees just threw Joey Ryan a brand new t-shirt. Thanks, Pro Wrestling Tees. ProWrestlingTees.com, over 3,000 wrestling t-shirts designed and sold by pro wrestlers. Wrestlers such as Steve Austin, CM Punk, Macho Man, Mick Foley, DDP, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake, Hexaw, Jim Duggan, Scott Hall, Ted DiBiase, Cole Cabana, Joey Ryan, Cliff Compton, and the entire Bullet Club. All stores owned by pro wrestlers. Support pro wrestling today and visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Welcome back to Grapple Talk, trying something new today. We are watching Halloween Havoc in 1997, and more uh, specifically, the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero classic that a lot of people refer to nowadays as being just a pillar in the greatness that has been professional wrestling over the number of years that professional wrestling has been a thing. Yeah, definitely. This match is, uh, if you watch it today, you would feel like, wow, does this just just happen on WWE? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah, the style yeah. back in 1997 this blew a lot of people away. It still blows me away today. Um, and, I mean, Rey Mysterio is still wrestling today. He way. is. It was kind of weird. But he, well, how old was he in this match? Like 16 or something like that? No, no. 17? He had to be like 22. He had 22? Yeah. He started wrestling when he was 16, though. Yeah. Right? I, no, 12? I think he was like 13. Third, whatever. Now I'm just making up fake Basically, facts. Fake so news. Hashtag we are, fake, new, fake news. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> join along with us, uh, we are at the 2842 mark. And uh, you want to hit play right Nice. So as you can hear, you can hear Mike Tenay in the background a little mm -hmm. bit, and we got uh, Ray Mysterio coming out. I always really liked that gear. I don't know why, but I've <laughs> I always liked the full bodysuit gear. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't I don't know why exactly. I don't. Well, now this one is actually pretty interesting. He's got like the full purple body gear. It's very similar to um, you remember the um the Pulp Hero, the Phantom? Yeah. So basically, that's his Phantom outfit here. Now the story of the match was Eddie Guerrero had oh, actually nice. yeah, uh, give us that demasked Rey Mysterio at one yep. point in time. So Rey right now is actually wearing one of his masks around his neck. Um, Eddie, of course, went through his uh, heel transformation here. And when you see Eddie Guerrero come out, especially in this graveyard scenario, you know, it's very haunting. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it would foreshadow, like, not even 10 years later that Eddie Guerrero would actually be gone. Jesus. Um, but if you look at him, this is almost like the prototypical Eddie Guerrero that you would see in WWE and he's doing it already in WCW. I mean, the great thing about Eddie Guerrero, too, is, like, you can almost feel his angst and anger. Like, you know, like, obviously, we've worked in wrestling for, like, more than a decade now at this point. Maybe a little bit less than a decade. I can't yeah. remember. But but it feels like when we watch shows sometimes, we can, under, you know, you can kind of feel if somebody's playing a character or not. And when you're watching Eddie come out to the ring right now, just his facials, his mannerisms, it, it feels like this dude is actually pissed off that he has to be there, which is great. Well, you, <laughs> Look you, at that face. You, you think he was more upset about his haircut. I mean, that is oh, one just, hell of a mullet. One hell of a mullet. Now, I mean, check that out. Now, the crazy thing about his mullet, too, it's uh, you almost would assume that's a 2017 haircut because it's undercut. And yep. he's actually grown it out in the back end. Yeah, I mean, maybe nowadays that would be something that uh, would kind of, uh, you know, get the ladies hot. But, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe you think I could 
probably try that out. Maybe I, I don't. don't know. I don't think your uh, fiance would actually appreciate that. Oh, you really don't think so? Oh, uh, look at the. There's a lucky Rick. fan that got the. Oh, he too sweet of you. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's going <laughs> to get a cease and desist <laughs> from the WWE. <laughs> oh, that is too good. So these two guys, Jesse. Um, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio obviously knowing each other quite a bit. They have a very storied history. That they do. And, um, you know, obviously when Eddie passed away uh, in the kind of mid to late 2000s was kind of the, you know, that was kind of a, almost a springboard effect on Rey Mysterio's career because whether we like it or not, you could definitely tell that that pushed him in the, the main event spotlight. Well, yeah, Guerrero passed away there in 05. Mysterio basically headlined WrestleMania following you. Ooh, ducks that right there. Now, it, you know, you got to admit, though, like WCW had pretty decent production on some of these matches. They definitely felt different than watching a WWE match at the time. Ooh. Well, yeah, and the nice thing about, I mean, you talk about WCW, it was all about that cruiserweight division. You, you, I mean, you hear a lot about all those, and that, what a cool maneuver there. I mean, that's something that we still didn't see until probably the late 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. cross bodies like that. Um, but their cruiserweight division is really what made it. Like, check out that, dude. Whoa. Yeesh. The cool thing, too, is, like, these are prelim matches. You know, these are the matches that a lot of people didn't really necessarily tune into the pay-per-view for. Um, you know, w- WCW actually, ugh, that's a nasty spot right there. Ran him right into the chair, you know, the, the stairs. Um, one of the big things, though, about WCW was, you know, Sometimes the big names that helped sell those pay-per-views, like if you had Hollywood Hogan was there, you yeah. knew you were going to go in there. But the undercard, these guys always delivered. And if you go back and historically look at some of these cards for WCW, you're like, how did these guys ever lose the Monday Night Wars? Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of surprising, especially this entire Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. Um, one of the other things I really like about this that we saw a little bit with uh, that, that kind of opening sequence is that, you know, a lot of times today – um, when it comes to the high flying and, and more or less the athleticism that's being shown, you know, like guys like uh, Will Ospreay and the, and the and the uh, Ricochets, you know, a lot of people argue that what they're doing doesn't make sense in a you know competitive sport. But I feel like th- in this matchup, these two guys do a great job of making everything seem like it matters. You know what I kind of you know what I'm kind of trying to say, Jesse? Yeah, no wasted motion. Well, look at that. That's pretty crazy right there. Rey Mysterio looking for that cartwheel where he pops up on top of the guy's head and then turns it into a Hurricane Rada. You know, Eddie Guerrero got it measured out right there and uh, turned it into a back suplex. It's a really cool spot. That could have been really dangerous for both guys as well. Whatever happened between Slim Jim and their love for advertising professional wrestling events, by the um, way? I think a lot of it was uh, Slim Jim had the deal with the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, okay. Well, because, you know, Slim Jim obviously also then after WCW, they started advertising a lot of WWE stuff, and now they don't do any of that anymore. Well, I wonder if they had a big wrestling fan on the top of the company at the time. Probably. Now, do you actually eat Slim Jims anymore? I, yes. Oh, really? I actually do, yeah. Huh. Yeah. They're not bad. Now, how weird is it, too? So, like, 20 years later, they kind of went back to, like, the post-raps in WWE. Yeah. Oh, going right after that mask now. You know, again, just the idea behind the feud. And, and, and you know, I, the demasking is, like, the most uh, embarrassing thing that you can do, the most disgraceful, disrespectful thing that you can do for a luchador. And that's why, you know, Eddie Guerrero obviously trying to rip that mask off, grabbing at the mask, and ripping it. Course by WCW probably um you know unmasked a handful of their luchadors <laughs> and they'll go figure right it's like okay so so these guys are like walking talking superheroes and you take away the one thing that identifies them as something different 
yeah. than the rest of the roster. That makes a lot I of never, sense. And yeah, I never understood why they did that. I mean, do you think that was ever at the request of the wrestlers? Like, do you think do – you, do you, No, I mean, I, it was probably a request of the management. They're like, oh, we want to see how handsome you are, you know, because people can identify with faces. It's like, well, the mask is their face. That is who they are. Yeah, right. I mean – I mean, Batman, it, right? Like everyone knows what Batman looks like because of the mask. Well, and I and I hate to be that guy, but you know, um, I'll check that out. I mean, you always want to say that a um, pump handle backbreaker. You always want to say that you know the, the it's about the workers' performance in the ring and kind of their character. But when you think about the mask, you know, like if a guy like Rey Mysterio didn't have his mask, he'd probably just be some other high flyer, you know, yeah. dude, right? So, um. But obviously, and he did have a period of time where he was demasked, and yeah. he just looked weird. Yeah, he looked like he was twelve. He did. He really he, did. He he would be comparable to when they brought in Dominique for that uh, oh, under yeah. Poppy angle. Yeah, yeah, he looked exactly like his son. Yeah, he did. But you know, ten years older. Yeah. Yeah. WCW. This is a really cool sequence right here. Look at that. Oh, and the DDT. That was sick. That was so cool. Yeah. Um, What game was that? WCW, I think it was like Mayhem. Oh, that game was just the shit. Oh, that was, was a terrible so bad. game. They featured a maskless Rey Mysterio. Another nice dropkick and Eddie Guerrero just having absolutely no worries about putting his body on the line. Check out the camera guy, by the way. Yeah. You give him a little perch. Give him a little perch. It's a dangerous spot to be in, too. Imagine you got that—that's like a twenty-pound camera you got up on your shoulder, and you're on this little. Perch. You're on this tiny little perch. That, one wrong that's step. Like, that's like eighteen inches yeah. wide. Oh, there's Steen enjoying the matchup. Where do you go, Steen? I've I've noticed this a lot, Jesse. I've always wanted to talk to you about it, but I have definitely noticed that WWE does absolutely everything they can to make it seem like during their productions that there aren't cameramen at ringside. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? I do, yeah. They Why? Um, why do they do that? I think it's... It makes it seem like it's not as much of an event. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. It's I, like they're trying to make it a sporting event, but then at the same time, they're not. I think what they want to do is kind of get you glued into the reality of the situation. Almost like a movie. You know? Like, when you're watching a movie, you're not going to necessarily see the boom mic or anything like that. So, I think that's what they're kind of trying to accomplish by making sure they don't have cameras in the angles. Yeah. I mean, you because you can tell that they do. they cut... And they try to film a certain way to make sure they can't get mm -hmm. the cameras on there because I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's times where I'm watching Monday Night Raw or a pay per view, and I play the game of like, I'm I, I try super hard to look for a camera guy. Like I just wait. I can like I watch the edges. I'm like, oh shit, is there gonna be a camera guy? You see like maybe a smidgen of the camera all of a sudden, cut yeah. <laughs> to a different angle. It's actually kind of hilarious. Like if we we're this was a modern WWE matchup, there would be at least five to six more cuts right here. Yep. And that's, you know, that's, I think, one of the jarring things I don't really enjoy about watching WWE wrestling. I think, honestly, you know, we can talk all we want about the differences between New Japan and Ring of Honor and blah, blah, blah. But one of the things I like about watching Ring of Honor and watching New Japan is their oh. their production. Mm -hmm. Gosh, just everything Eddie does. This is why it's also great, you know, going from heel to face is that you can tell just a lot of his movements and his moves, like drop kicks, even like that, that backbreaker, yeah. it just looks more aggressive. And I don't really know how to describe that, but it just seems like he drives in a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a stiff backbreaker. He's got more of a vicious streak. Yeah, and, yeah. and you can really feel that in the heel turn. It's 
So WCW, every time they would do a Halloween Havoc, they would have some, this guy right here. Like, if you saw him, wearing the Papa Shango, yeah. like, sweater. That is a staple of, uh, you know. Halloween really, Havoc? No, really terrible, <laughs> like, WWE fashion choices at yeah. that point in time with the merchandise. But I bet you now, if they actually released that sweater on the shop. I bet it'd, it'd probably sell, you'd sell you'd, you'd see 10% of all people at the next pay-per-view in Chicago wearing that shirt. Yeah, speaking of Chicago, hey, congratulations Pro Wrestling Tees for having their own store now down there. That's yeah, huge for that them. is that is huge. And obviously we know quite a few guys that have their mm-hmm. have their uh shirts available on Pro Wrestling Tees. A lot of indie guys around this area have their shirts available on Pro yeah, Wrestling Tees. It's crazy out, actually. They they have this policy where if you don't see it on the shelf, you can ask for it to get made and it'll get made for no you while way. you're in the store. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Be cool to go down there at some point and see one of your shirts down there, especially if you're just a local wrestler. I assume that they don't have uh, AC Riley shirts in stock <laughs> on the shelf, but hey man, nonetheless, maybe be pretty you cool. never know. Oh, Bray now is really firing back. Well, and again, this is like the perfect opportunity for a guy like Ray. I mean, because you're playing from under Eddie Guerrero, and just with how vicious he's being and how disrespectful he's being, I mean. Oh. It's your chance as a babyface to kind of play that, you know, get that sympathy role. And that's what Ray was always so good at doing, Jesse. And I think it obviously was partially because of his size. But, God damn, was he good at playing that sympathetic babyface. Well, that definitely is true. Guerrero's got him in the tree. Whoa. Looking for some nasty. Whoa. That that, that would hurt you, Slim Jim. Right in your (laughs) Slim That's such a good heel spot, though. It's like you get overconfident and then you get the low blow. Yep. Um, like Kurt Henning was always really good with that too, where he would actually take that beel toss and like skirt into the ring post. Oh wow, yeah, that's it's a hell of a dive right there. Nothing flashy about that. You just you're trying to clear as much space as possible, going as vertical as possible. That was really cool there. And again, you know, this is a lot of stuff that you know, like you mentioned, we could we were watching a lot of this match, and this is stuff that a lot of people would see. Into on today's NXT or today's Raw or SmackDown or whatever, but this is stuff that was unheard of back in 1997. Look at this. Oh, oh he's going for that tilt-a-whirl. No, get caught. Good near fall right there. Fans bought it for a second. You can see guys holding their heads in the background and stuff like that. Oof. Just cut them right off. Yeah. I always love watching those Hurricane Ranas where they don't have to use their hands at all. They can just mm-hmm. get up. You know, like he, like Rey Mysterio just did. I mean, the athleticism that somebody has to do for that. I mean, that's that's one of the things that's, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio was so good at is that everything he did just looked so goddamn pretty. Oh, Whoa. got caught in the six one nine there. That's like how, like just yeah. these sequences are just so freaking creative, Jesse. How do you come up with these? This is stuff that we yeah. don't. This is stuff that we just started seeing a couple of years ago that people started talking about. And 360 dive. Oh, <laughs> caught him. Into the freaking Hurricane Rana, yeah. man. Are you kidding me on the outside of the ring? And like, think about this. All right, all right. So you're the camera guy. You're you're out there on the edge. Ooh. And you're like, <laughs> why is he coming towards me? Like, that has got to really trip your trigger there. I mean, that's stuff that you could only – you couldn't even probably do in video games at that point. Like, you couldn't even oh. do that move in video games. It was so unheard of. Okay, now look at that. So you're on that perch, and Ray Mysterio's like, move, buddy. I got to do oh. that. Yeah. Now the corkscrew moonsault. Landing it perfect on Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Look, it actually took more out of Ray than it did to Eddie, though. 
And look at these two guys just sitting there talking in the front row. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I got this. I got oh, these sweet. Drugs, Thanks, man. bud. Cool. Thanks for the drugs. Awesome, man. Put them right here in my <laughs> breast pocket. Hey, hey, more popcorn. <laughs> the body slam. Yeah. You consider that a body slam or a scoop slam? What do you call that? That's uh, probably a scoop slam. Oh, oh. that's you know needs to have got right Go there. He telegraphed that. Yeah, that springboard. Like, look at just uh, the aggressiveness. Ugh. Like how aggressive? Like that is the most vicious aggressive power bomb I've ever seen. That's what you need to do as a heel. Yeah. If you want to be a heel, you know what? What I'm not a fucking wrestler, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I tell I'll tell you what, as a yeah. fan watching wrestling, if you are trying to be a heel, watch this match and watch just watch how Eddie Guerrero performs his moves because, like he is like literally he just he he's wrestling like a heel. A good Eddie sucks chant here. As you pointed out, he's just that vicious streak, you know, and the snap in his movement. Like, you kind of talked about it, too. What was really cool about this looking at it, mean, just look how full that arena is. I mean, oh, we don't see that too often. would have lost a couple teeth. Oh, nice spin wheel kick. We don't see this too often, you know, right? Like, we see it once a year with New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom, but we don't see a lot of other shows outside of WWE anymore that can draw like this. No. It kind of makes you yearn for those competitive days of, of the Monday Night Wars. Well, it makes you wonder exact. Oh, nasty backbreaker, backbreaker there. Yeah. Well, I'd say it makes me wonder who's – who is the top draws? You know, there was a really good article about the drawing power of Cody Rhodes on the indie scene. And if you actually look at the Ring of Honor this past weekend with well, probably two weeks ago now, like the global, wars. the global Wars, and it seems like they're actually – there is a lot of buzz coming up about the uh, San Antonio shows too. They're running the same weekend as, oh. I believe it's, what, NXT is down there in Survivor Series? Yeah. It's that same weekend. Ring of Honor is also running that weekend too, and there's a lot of buzz about those shows. Right. A lot of buzz going even into, like, final battle for the year, I believe. Yeah. Where it's looking like it's going to be Cody Rhodes against Dalton Castle. Go figure. Yeah. Check this out. Crucifix powerbomb from the top rope, Jesse. You've got to be kidding me, dude. Oh, there you go. The reversal cover. And, and got it. Winder, yeah. And that's the thing about this match, right? It wasn't too long. Mm -hmm. It was a great, a great amount of time, and you probably had uh, – and this is what was great about it, right? The climax, you mm -hmm. that crucifix powerbomb, you probably had everybody standing up on their feet like, oh, my gosh, this He's dude's about to him. die. Yeah. yeah, and all of a sudden, reversal, one, two, three, and there you go. Perfect. So runtime for the match, just, oh, okay, so we clocked at about 45.08. So with entrances, I mean, you'd probably say, what, 15 minutes maybe? Give or take, yeah. So really not that long of a match, but you told a really concise story. You kept the action very quick. But it wasn't overly quick. Right. You were able to digest everything about that matchup. Yeah, I, I again, I think it holds up very well uh, to today's standards. Um, but and part of the reason is too is I think both guys played their characters so well. Told a great story. I mean, you didn't really even need to to. For me, again, we've talked about this how many times. I didn't necessarily even need to know what the story was going into this match to understand what was happening during the match. I mean, you saw just the we talked. I talked about it like ten times the vicious movements from Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio playing that great sympathetic babyface, but also having just like these crisp, beautiful motions that actually make sense in that matchup and that athletic competition. Um, you know, great match. I could I could still watch that probably in ten years and it would hold up. Yeah. So of course, there's a lot of really good matchups on this pay per view as well. We including, uh, well, not the match coming up next, uh, which is uh, Steve Mongo McMichael against Alex Wright. Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah, you got the uh, you got some finishing. You got Disco Inferno versus Jacqueline. 
What was the main event of this show? Uh, I can't remember what it was. The main event was, I believe, Hogan versus Piper in a steel cage match. That's yeah. right. And then at the end, you had uh, Steen basically yep. come out and set up the stage for Starcade. Yep, that's right. Which ended up being one of the biggest pay-per-view draws in the history of WCW. And many people want to point as maybe it was the beginning of the end for WCW. Let's talk about that real quick. Because obviously, did you hear about this? WWE advertising a Starcade live show event yeah. at in the, one of the Carolinas. I think it was North Carolina. Saying that, yeah, in Greensboro. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's a live event. Do you think WWE is missing the ball here? Is that going to be on the WWE Network? Do you think it'd be work well if they brought that back as some sort of a pay per view? I mean, what do you think? Um, I, you know, that's always a good question. I think testing it out as a house show, it could be a good primer to see whether or not if the market is there for branded events. Because when when WWE comes to your town, usually it doesn't have a name for a show. Right. So it's just WWE Live. Yep. So it's kind of like seeing the circus. Right. Live. You're going to see the three-ring circus. You know, that's what it is. So branding some of your live events with with a title, with a theme and stuff like that might generate more house show buys, I think, really. Um, with the network, though, it's one of those things where they already have a camera crew there. Right. It wouldn't be the hardest thing on the planet to actually probably stream that thing back to the network, but that's a different story for a different time. Um, I think they already kind of did that, though, with, like, the roadblocks. Yep. That was kind of like the primer to see if people would actually watch a show that wasn't a branded pay-per-view, wasn't a Raw or a SmackDown. And I think those were pretty well received. They were. The um, like, the specials in Japan were very much like that as well. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll be within the next couple of weeks we might actually find out whether or not that's going to be a network event as well. Does WWE miss the ball? in trying to convince or see if Ric Flair could make a special appearance at that Starcade show? Um, I think they'll try their best to make sure Flair is there and some old territory guys as well from the Crockett days. It just makes sense. Right. If you have them there, do it. Um, I think they want to be kind of cautious with Flair based on the fact that he almost died. Sure. You know, so it's like you don't really want to necessarily advertise Ric Flair and then he dies. That would be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> Well, no, you don't advertise him. He shows up. He's a he's a surprise. Well, like he's a special, he's like the official special guest referee. For he the just night. Call, at the very beginning, his music hits and everybody's like, "Oh my god, this Ooh. is fucking awesome!" Yeah, and well, he comes out and he says, "I love everybody. Well. Yeah. I love all of you, and I'm here. I'm happy to be here. I'm not dead." So uh, you know, he's thirty for thirty. He's going to start premiering here pretty shortly. Is as that well. right? That is right. That's exciting. That is going to be pretty good. Yeah. All right, well, let's take another quick break and we'll wrap things up on Grapple Talk when we come back. Yes, I'll take my eggs over easy and I'll take my podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst. Hey, Grapple Talk listeners, this is Chris from Spot Monkey Media. Are you a professional wrestler, a promoter, a business owner? Spot Monkey Media is graphic design for the wrestling professional. We offer design services for t-shirts, event posters, 8x10s, logos, and even ring gear. But if you're not in the wrestling business, we work outside the ropes. Go to spotmonkeymedia.com for more information. Spot Monkey Media create your legacy. Hey everybody, it's me, Darren Corbin. I've always gotten the question, why do I not do my own podcast? Well, I've branched out and I've tried to do Wrestling Reflections and the Wrestlers Moving Movie Letter, plus my promos that I flood your feed with all the time. 
And the number one reason is, when it comes to podcasts, everyone can always find a way to hear myself talk, and there's numerous podcasts out there, but I want to give my endorsement to one very special one. And that'd be Grapple Talk, that covers a lot of the Midwest independent wrestling highlights. See, a lot of the local Midwest wrestlers are the spotlight of the Squared Circle hosts. And that would be Nick Ragnar, Jesse Von Ruden, and A.C. Riley. And every week on iTunes or Podbean, you can catch their podcast. So I just want to give them a shout out. So if you're asking me why I don't do podcasts and you're maybe looking for my opinion, check them out for all your podcast needs and take a look and keep supporting independent wrestling in the Midwest. Welcome back to Grapple Talk. A fun episode thus far. We kind of jumped right into uh, recent WWE topics, and then we went into watching a good old-fashioned uh, Halloween Havoc brawl between Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. And uh, now, Jesse, I kind of want to touch on this before we end the podcast because we are about uh, recent events, and most recent events we're talking nationally unless there is some Facebook drama that happens, mm-hmm. but we kind of missed the boat on a couple of things that happened we a couple did, weeks ago. So, yeah. so, But there is w- some drama happening nationally, and that would be the drama between WWE and uh, all this Neville, Nia Jack stuff where people are apparently walking out of the company what do you kind of make about all this, especially, you know, guys like Neville and, you know, a women's wrestler like Nia Jax that to me seemed like to be Neville in particular had been the hottest that he'd been in WWE ever. And Nia Jax, I thought, was the future of the division. Um, Yeah, it's always kind of interesting when you have talent who who's getting over. It seems like they're getting over really organically and kind of feel like the the machine was getting behind them a little bit um, with Neville. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, he drops the belt to Enzo Amore. They kind of understand where that division was going to go. And they ended up doing this thing on Raw. I believe it was the following night or whatever. They were like, oh, you know, if you, uh, you the beat king up. king fell on a sword. Yeah, the king fell on a sword type of thing. But at the same time, though, like, they gave him an out where it's like, hey, you know, if you attack him, you're no longer in the cruiserweight division. So, like, Neville attacked Enzo Amore. So, he's no longer really in the cruiserweight division. So, yep. like, he could actually move back up to Raw and possibly get into the mid-card there, which, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, but for, for Neville, in a lot of ways, like, Neville was the interjection of, uh, into, to, like, 205 Live. They actually made the show kind of relevant. That actually gave it some some float there for a bit where people were like, oh, this is interesting here because he was already a made talent in WWE's eyes. Yep. So, like, fans who don't necessarily watch the Cruiserweight Classic and stuff like that, they would actually identify with Neville as one of the guys there. Yep. So, really... For Neville to walk out, where he's at right now in his career, um, whether he did it because of creative or he did it because of some other reason, um, I think, tell you the truth, that, that has it starts like a waterfall effect. And you start seeing it, too, now with Nia Jax, where its talents are realizing they don't need the WWE to be relevant. Right. And if you even go back further, where guys like Cody Rhodes leaving, Guys like Ryback leaving. You know, like Ryback's a different story than Cody. But <laughs> but Cody has really kind of, like, laid the groundwork of what a – Juice Robinson, man. Juice Robinson as well, where you can go outside the system and make a name for yourself. And you're seeing it with, like, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and a lot of other talents where you can necessarily be your own boss where you don't need the machine. Yeah. And if you're good at marketing yourself, you can be way more over – than you could be anywhere else. Yeah, and you're wondering if that would happen. I mean, I I honestly consider Neville, he's got to be like a top 10 wrestler in WWE. Like oh, yeah. I, I think that's hard to doubt. And I think that dude has some major bucks mm-hmm. on the indie scene available yeah. to him because I think, you know, 
similar to Cody Rhodes, he once he hits the Indies, if he if that's the case, I don't think it's been confirmed or not if he is being released from his contract. But if he does go to the Indies, I think there's going to be a lot of people that have him circled up against a lot of different competitors that want to are going to pay money to see him go against like the Cody Rhodes and the Kenny Omegas and the mm-hmm. and especially the uh, Ricochets and the Will Ospreys and the Zack Saber Juniors and things yeah, like that. With with as healthy as like the Indies are really like the super indie level, super healthy right now. Like AAW out of Chicago, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. You have Wrestle Circus. You have all these other places. AIW. You know they're they're running these really heavy super indie shows where it's like top two talent against top two talent, and they're really popping houses and they're really getting a lot of buzz. You know you can hit those up. You can go back to Japan. You can do Dragon Gate. You can do New Japan. I mean New Japan would love to have a guy. Like oh yeah. That, like yeah, in a heartbeat. Juniors. Yeah. Well, he, he would actually. I think he would actually qualify maybe to be a heavy at this oh, point. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so he could be another guy you can put in that like mid card tier with like Okada, Evil stuff like that. Tanahashi, Tanahashi stuff like that. Like you can have a lot of matches there. He can go back to the UK and he can tear it up with the guys over there as well. So I mean, he's got a lot of options on the plate. At what point do we stop looking at indies as indies and start just looking at them as pro wrestling competition for uh, across the board? I You know, when you look at a, yeah. a promotion, I mean, do we consider Ring of Honor indie anymore? Do we consider Oh, Ring of Honor technically shouldn't be indie. If you're thinking of that as an indie promotion, then you're What is the definition of indie, then? Okay, I think the definition of indie... Because, you know, like a PWG, like, they have a video library now, right? So it's like, how can you consider PWG indie? Is it because of their draw count? Is it because that they work out of a a gym? Like, what what, what, what is it that constitutes being an independent professional wrestling program? I think being an indie is very much DIY. So it's going out there and doing it for itself. That's an indie promotion. So if you, it'd be kind of like if you look at an indie record label where it's very much you're you're on the feet, you're on the ground, you're pumping out your own stuff, whereas being on like Warner Brothers, you had the benefit pipelines. of pipelines. The pipeline, you yep. had the benefit of that type of stuff. So the old the old adage was you work to get to a major record label. Now it's like you do an all right with the major le- record label, but you can leave and do other stuff because there's other platforms to do it. You saw it with like Radiohead. They did that. They actually started releasing their own music and they didn't lose any steam. You know, um, even like bands like Pearl Jam have been doing that where they're more or less like a, I know the Ross family would hate it, but like they're, they're a touring entity. They don't need to drop right. albums. They go out there and tour and they do stuff like that. So it's like, do you think part of it then would be like, you know, you look at ROH, mm-hmm. they have a connection with Sinclair Broadcasting. I yeah. mean, obviously they run so many pay-per-views. Maybe it's not necessarily like there is a fine line of what is an indie and what isn't an indie, but technically, I mean, it's just it's just kind of what they are now, right? I, so. I think with, like, Ring of Honor, the thing that really kind of helped them was, even though, like, the partnership with Sinclair is good because they went from being, like, a niche tape trading company to fairly like an all ages type of wrestling company. Yeah. So like anyone, their grandmother can watch Ring of Honor and actually kind of enjoy the wrestling. It's just, right. it almost feels like a throwback wrestling company in that aspect. But at the same time though, like they were able to sign up some of the hottest acts Yeah. and they were able to work that partnership with, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling where you can take a lot of stuff that has buzz with the hardcore wrestling fan that's going to go out there and you could say a lot of the growth for Ring of Honor has been tied in two things. It's been getting on Sinclair and getting the Young Bucks. Yep. That's, that's, that's it right there. Like, those are the two things that really has helped out Ring of Honor tremendously. Yeah. So it's very much like if your acts are hot, your product's going to be hot. Yep. 
So for guys who can lead the machine and get hot on the indies, like they're going to help out the indies. That's it, a big thing. As much as people hate to admit, the Young Bucks are very good at what they do. Oh, they're tremendous they, at what they do. They, you, can, you can argue whether you like them as wrestlers or not, but their ability to market is just – it is – Phenomenal. They are probably mm-hmm. – they honestly are probably the big reason as to why the Bullet Club what it is, is what it is. I mean, let's be honest here, right? Yeah. I mean, the Bullet Club was a, it was a faction in Japan, but it it's really become a worldwide phenomenon in pro wrestling fans' minds. And I, th- I think largely because of the ability the Young Bucks have to market. Yeah. I think that's I well, think that's think about this the with the Young Bucks that's really tremendous is they got a cease and desist from the WWE. Right. For a fucking hand signal, right? right? Yeah. Right? They turned that around, and now they got one of the hottest T-shirts making fun of that. Yeah, how insane is that? That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's great. It's 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 great. I mean, it, it kind of takes you back a little bit to those late '90s, the mid '90s, the battles. I mean, it takes you back to looking at stuff like that and being like, I don't, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a competition out there for WWE right now because the only other things that are available, I think, are for niche audiences like a Ring of Honor, like a New Japan. Like, I don't yeah. think everybody's going to be like that. You know, WWE has cast such a wide net for pretty much anybody and everybody. But uh, it's it's kind of it's nice because you know to see them do that it's like there's probably a reason behind that and it's because the young bucks are making money doing it mm-hmm. so that's why they're that's why WWE is doing you know going through the trouble of <laughs> sending a season assist to them yeah you know so well it's kind of like how there's no competition for the NFL besides right. NCAA yep just like there's no competition for baseball even though baseball is a regional sport besides your regional teams yep. There's no competition for the NBA. You can say maybe the NCAA, but at the same time, though, there really isn't any competition right. for the NBA. I yep. mean, the NBA has got to come up with their own competition. Yep. And you know how they do that? They create fucking storylines, yep. you know, so it's crazy. Um, But, yeah, I, I think WWE is, you know, they're always going to be the top dog no matter what, and they're always going to have that perceived nature of the top dog. But once the wrestler gets the idea that, hey, we can go out there and with the avenues that we have through – Social media, the digital platforms there are now, all this other stuff like the marketing, you know, the marketing, the merchandising, all that stuff, the things that WWE did to revolutionize the business in the '80s very well could be the thing that keeps indie wrestling alive going forward. You look at, the, I mean, yeah. you look at the reasoning as to leaving WWE. Why not? You can, you can do, you can be anything you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do as far as working You're your for your own boss. Your own boss. You can wear your own fucking gear, dude. You yeah. can wear whatever gear you can wear. You can wear no gear. I don't know if you get booked, but that's what you can do. I'm just you saying. Say you can, you're you can wear like a banana hammock. And banana around. hammock. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That seems like a good enough reason to me. I guess so. Banana hammock, man. If I could do, if I could do a red arrow off top rope, and I was getting booked, I'd be like, "Can I wear my banana hammock?" If they're like, "Yep," as long sign as, me up, man. As long as you don't fall out. Son. As long as you don't fall out. Not. And you're like, "Ain't hey, no problem. <laughs> Not that big." <laughs> oh. Yikes. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been fun, Jesse. Yeah. It was good. Should we do this in two weeks again? Yeah, maybe. Maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. Is this the last one of the year? Uh, no, I think we got a couple more left in us. Remember, right. when we, remember when we used to do this every single week? Yeah, we did. Every week. It was like every Wednesday we would do it. Yeah, but we, at the time, though, like there was no other podcast on the network. Yeah. And now there's a lot. And now, honestly, like I'm not trying to be lazy, but now there's sometimes where I see, you know, all these get posted and I'm like, I'm like, ah, I got stuff going on. I can wait a couple of more yeah, days. Yeah, you know, like the shoot jobs, man. The shoot jobs take up a lot of time for both you and me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean a lot to you, but 
I haven't been and this is gonna sound like bitch complaining. But <laughs> I mean, I haven't been able to leave work. I mean, I get to work at eight a.m. every day. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't been able to leave work until bare minimum five thirty every day. So and then on Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday, I didn't get home until like seven because I had prior commitments outside of work, mm-hmm. but that were still somewhat related to work. So yeah. it's just like, you know, yesterday came around. You weren't. It was a perfect example. You weren't available until like whatever yeah, seven I o'clock. Out, I didn't get out of here until eight. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So then today, you know, was the only time because uh, you know, Zari's twin sister is getting married on Saturday, so I got oh, the I got the rehearsal dinner tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, we were supposed to go do a shoot down at A and S. And the reason why we couldn't do it is because there's a wedding coming up. Oh. So that must have been the wedding. Really? Yeah, because oh, we're okay. trying to get him on our uh, Summer River Shopping oh, Show. Oh, all so, right. So, yeah, one cool. of the young sales guys went down there, and they were he and hauling and talking about that, you know. so Nice. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll send my congratulations when I go there. With yeah, the yeah, yeah. They're getting married on Saturday. I just oh, got wow. fit. I just tried, tried on my tux. Apparently, I either lost some pounds or the person that sized me was drunk when they sized me. You know, so <laughs> where did you get sized at? Like Winona Tux Rental? Okay, so I got sized up at the wedding tree one time. Yeah. And they must have done a really shitty job because I felt like one of the little rascals <laughs> wearing a, like a man suit. I'm like, well, this is really big. That, that's here. how it was the pants. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can pull the pants up to my freaking chest, man. Wow. They're huge. Are you going to do that, though? I'm not going to do that. I don't know no. what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have to deal with it. Uh, so you're actually in the wedding party type of I'm thing? I'm in the wedding party. Are you like uh, not the best man? I'm not the best man. Are I'm you? like one of the li- I'm like one, I'm like teetering on like one of the guys that he was probably like. Well, if I need to come up with more guys, I'll have Nick. But if I don't need to come up with more guys, I probably won't. So have is Nick. that all predicated like how many people you need in your wedding party is predicated on like what your wife wants? Pretty much. So like Zari's probably got three to four, right? Yep. Okay, and if she could. Brady would be the fifth, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Brady would be a bridesmaid. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Even though he's a guy, but I think that he has okay. some reservations. But, but yeah, that's kind yeah. of how it is. Like you you, okay, you, you have to sense. mix and match to make sure that your wedding parties are the same so that when you do the walk down the aisle thing that everybody has their person, their to, walk person to walk through. with. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of how it works a little bit. So I think, you know, I was on the chopping block, and I think I just made it in, made which is cut. great. I made yeah. the cut. Had a good um, training camp. Had a good training camp, you know, caught some balls, uh, ate some balls, and now we are in the wedding party. Yeah. Should be good because that means I get to eat first. So that's yeah, always great. Yeah, that's true. And you actually uh, you get to eat on that elevated platform. Yes, yeah, so now, everybody gets to watch me eat. Yeah, but how, I don't have to how, do a speech, right? So I'm not the best man. Speech. I don't have to do a speech, right? Well, that's so. good. Yeah. Are you going to actually – you might get drunk and actually grab a microphone. Though. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, you probably Cut a promo. Cut a Nikki Duchesne promo on everybody. Yeah, you're really like <laughs> – Listen here, man. You're part of the family now. I'm getting married next year. You're going to be my brother-in-law. We're going to do so many cool things together. <laughs> but we're not. And oh, then you turn heel on Turn him, heel. Right? I'm going to heel, heel turn, turn at the wedding, yeah, right? The yeah. Turn, yeah. I told him that most likely what's going to happen is I'll probably have a couple of beers, and by the end of the night, my pants will be like halfway down my ass because they're so huge. So I'm going to be the embarrassing so you're not gonna future your, brother-in-law. you're not going to get your pants resized? No. It's just life, man. Dude, you can get your pants resized. They have those weird um, like the clips on the sides where you can adjust them. Yeah, so I think I'll be able to uh. tighten them enough. But they're but they're but they're gonna be like big saggy pants. Have you thought about doing more squats? I yeah, I have. I've also thought about eating more cheeseburgers. I can't decide which sounds more appealing. Probably the cheeseburgers. Well, can you eat cheeseburgers and squat at the same time? I think you can, but I think at that point you're also uh, risking shitting your pants. You need a cheeseburger spotter. Cheeseburger spotter. So as you're, you know, squatting, somebody like, can feed me the cheeseburgers. Yeah, they yeah. can just like feed you the cheeseburger. That sounds actually pretty appealing. I might go home and try to pitch that to my fiance. You know what Zari might that. say to you? What was that? Brady can do that. 
<laughs> so he, he, he's a dog. He doesn't have opposable thumbs. Well, he can put the cheeseburger in his own mouth. I guess that's true. That'd be kind of a cute picture, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think that'd be kind of cool. Like, you just probably just end up yeah. eating a cheeseburger. Yeah, man, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We could try out and see and see how that goes. But until then, you know, we're going to try to keep bringing you all this Grapple Talk content. Again, if you listened, if you for some reason skipped through the episode and missed the first 10 seconds, hit up the Grapple Talk Network on Facebook, yep. on the Twitters. It's Grapple Talk Network. We've got a lot of great content on there. I assume if you're listening to us, you've listened to everything else because I think we're last priority. So yeah, basically, most yeah. likely, if you're listening to us, you're probably like, we're like the very, like, it's like, okay, I've listened to everything else on there. I'm going to listen to them. Deach and Dash, great podcast with Jordy Lee, does phenomenal mm-hmm. personal interviews with a lot of different guys over there on the other side of the state. Uh, the Riley Factor, uh, AC Riley going on road trips, talks with people. Get, he gets a lot of interviews of, with uh, workers that we just don't have interviews with. So that's what's great about mm-hmm. that, getting new insight. Uh, RGG Maru doing great things with his gaming podcast. Uh, the most recent episode that we dropped together, I think he was uh, completely out of his mind, blitzed on cough syrup. So that's a pretty good listen. And then the uh, <laughs> Ross Family Matters podcast, our newest edition. And they are that uh, they're in the honeymoon phase, right, with podcasting where they're trying to get as many episodes out as possible. Yep. Don't worry, guys. Ross Family, if you are listening to this, it will die down a little bit because that's how all podcasts work, right? When RGG did it, he had like 10 podcasts right away. Yep. It's just how it happens. You know, we're all like, oh, podcasts, yeah. And I then talk forever. <laughs> and then for like, and then like yeah. four weeks later, you're like, damn, okay, well, we're kind of, yeah. that, that's fun, but I have other things to do. You know what I mean? You know, I'm still waiting. Maru to call me and be like Jesse, we're gonna have to talk video games and be like Maru, I don't play games. He wants to. He want. He messaged me and AC last night and it's like, let's talk video games. And it's like, I got other things going on, dude. I can't. I can't Which tonight. Which is kind of sad that like AC didn't go like, hey man, like, I'm honestly kind of surprised AC didn't do it. Maybe yeah. they did. I don't know. Maybe they knows. did. But uh, the last episode was interesting because Maru was definitely. Uh, shoot blitzed like he was gonzo i don't care what he says he says he wasn't but he definitely was if you listen to it you'll definitely know all right well i'm intrigued now call yeah. me intrigued yeah I, I like him when people are in altered states and he, he gets progressively worse as it goes okay like at first it's kind of like he sounds a little off and then by the end of it you're like this dude needs to take a nap because <laughs> have have some denny's because he's a little uh, uh he probably least, least not hot. perkins right no yeah at least it's not perkins but uh that's it for us yep. uh, this week on grapple talk uh for jesse von rudin i'm nick regner signing off we'll catch you guys next time we do the flagship which uh we don't know when it will be right here on the grapple talk network peace out home slices